Genesis 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would, have, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child, and sent her away. As she departed, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the, depth, the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted her, up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand. For I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us, uh, but for for any of this to make sense for our life or for, um, for what you have for us, God, it, it's going to have to be something that you show up and do. It's going to have to be something that you show up and, and do within us. But that is a work that you do. And so we ask you for that grace. We ask you for the, the help and the guidance and really just the, the opening of our minds and ears uh, so that you can change us by your word. Would you be with us? Would you help us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. Uh, my little brother, Luke, he was born uh, when I was 20. So I got to see, a, or about 20. Um, so I got to see a lot of him growing up from like age zero to three-ish. Um, and pretty much every time Luke was scared of something, he would come running into my room, uh, which, you know, it was always real cute, you know, because he'd grab my hand. And um, it, it was cute. But until one day, uh, he, it was like, the, like the third time that day that he had already come in there saying, Jake, I'm scared. And so I was like, I'm getting a little bothered. Um, and I would go and like stand out in the hallway and say like, okay, nothing's there. I wouldn't even look. I was just like, he didn't know. So I was just going and, and like, no, dude, this, this is not working. Um, and plus, I was a cool college kid, like living with my parents. So, uh, so of course, he's little and he doesn't know um, that I'm trying to be cool guy right now. So I had to be a little more rough for him to understand. And I was like, Luke, I don't want you in here with me right now. This made Luke really sad. 
Um, but he wasn't really sure like how, how to deal with his emotions yet, so um, he ran and jumped off the bed. Um, and thus, this happened. You can see his tongue. I think he bit it when he jumped off and hit the floor. Um, but so I go over to him and I, and I pick him up and he's crying um, and he, he wipes the tears out of his eyes and he says, I just wanted to be with you. Like the hardest soul punch I've ever had in my life. Um, so I never made Luke leave after that day. Um, but for the first few times he would come back in, like he would ask me, he'd say, Jake, do you, do you want me to be with you yet? Um, and I was like, oh, man. So of course I tried to, you know, overdo it and, and like, of course I want you in here with me. Of, of course I want that. Um, but I tell you this story because faith means that we look a little bit like Luke. We're gonna, we are going to want to make sure that God is really with us because life is hard. Faith in God will mean fighting to believe that the everlasting God is with us in every storm, trial, battle, wilderness, all of that. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The Lord of hosts is with us, which is exactly what we want and need and desire and long for because the truth is life is hard. Work is literally cursed from, from Adam and Eve, so every job will feel like pulling teeth unless you're a dentist. Then it's like pulling roots. I, it's still, I don't know. Work, being a dentist is hard too. Um, but work is hard. Marriage shows us our sins every day in our face, multiple times a day. Um, and most of the time our spouse shows us in a sinful way our own sin um, marriage is hard and Leah and I do not currently have kids yet and it's already one of the most difficult things I've ever done um, and all those with kids are just like okay <laughs> sure um, but I, I've heard and I feel a little bit like, like having kids is hard raising kids is hard life just in general is hard and there, there are times in life where you and I are just going to be buckled to the floor uh, just in the difficulty of life and of faith. And we're going we're gonna to want to make sure that the everlasting, the ever good refuge and strength, very present help in trouble, casting away all fears, Lord of hosts is with us. So then our question becomes how? We know we want that. How? In what way is God going to be with me in my life when things are hard? Well, from Genesis 21, God is with us in two times of life specifically. In the blessing times of life and in the wilderness times of life. In the time where everything is great and going so well and happy-go-lucky and all that's from God, from the God who is with us. But also in the tough times. In the wilderness of life where we don't know which way is up or down, right or wrong, the crazy, the unknown, the trials. God is with us in that as well. Life's going to have its up and downs. It's ups and downs, but God is with us in the blessing and in the wilderness. So let's just take a look at the first one. Look at verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. So this is just recalling us back to Genesis 17, where God says, No, but I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So why is this baby going to be a blessing? Because Genesis 12, where God first shows up to Abraham, um, and he calls him to leave his, his homeland, 
Uh, his words are this. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, which is great, but it doesn't end there. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And I, I just want to say sorry. Like, I want to apologize because I, I felt like when I read this again, um, I just felt like... It, over the past few weeks, we've been kind of focusing on ourselves and, and me specifically. Like just what does faith mean for us? But I, I think I missed a huge thing in that faith will always mean us and others. Um, these verses just make it clear. Like the only reason that any blessing comes to us is for the sake of others. So I, I saw that this week and I just wanted to apologize um, for that. But the reason we teach, the reason we sing, the reason we encourage each other, the reason we walk in this faith is not for and should never be for only our own building up of our own selves, but the blessing of all the families of the earth. Like when we get to heaven, there's going to be a tongue, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and that all starts with us. <clears throat> there are people that God has given to us as friends and neighbors and family for us to love them and bless them as we have been loved and blessed. Because if we think that we have blessing because we're awesome, then we tend to own the blessing as our own. Like, yeah, I, I deserve that. That's good. But if we see it as a free gift, then we tend to own the blessing. Then we, then we can give it away easily and do exactly what God has called his people to do. Bless the people of every tongue, tribe, and nation. We bless others because we have been blessed. And we have. And Sarah was too. Nearly 30 years after this promise was made, as Sarah is nearing 100 years old. What even you and I have been building up to for like 13 weeks now. Like it's, it finally happens in verse 2. Um, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. So this is really important for us to see because God has shown up in this promise to bless exactly when and how he promised he would be there. For instance, uh, God has promised us that God is, or that Jesus is returning at a time that we don't need to know yet, uh, but it, that it's going to happen. And so since he has promised that, we're going to be all right. We don't necessarily need to know everything, but God surely knows better timing for us than we do. So it also means that God will not promise something that he will not do. Um, so they have this baby boy. And then in verse three, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old. As God had commanded him, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So the author of the text just wants to make it clear in case we don't get it. Uh, they were super old and they had a baby. Uh, is this not the craziest thing you've ever heard? Like straight up, I just want you to realize it. That's why I'm putting it in there multiple times. Like this is insane. And Sarah even knows it too. That's why she says in verse 6, uh, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Like She knows that this is crazy too. People are going to laugh at me because they won't be able to believe their eyes. I'm laughing myself. Who could have, had, who could have thought that something like this would happen? This is truly amazing. And it is. God's blessing to Abraham and Sarah is truly amazing. And that should be our thoughts whenever God blesses any of us as well. The author knows it. Abraham knows it. Sarah knows it. This blessing has come from God. Uh, James 1.17 and John 3.27. 
Say every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And then John 3 says, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. So with Abraham and Sarah, there is no boasting in what they have done. Why? Because we've seen what they've done. It's not been very good. It's not like the, oh, let me hold up this action to to God. Like they fled from God's will in the severe famine. They lied over and over. Sarah straight up lied to God's face. Um, They both had recurring sins that showed up over and over again. And all that we have seen has only accounted for a few days in these 30 years. So we can just imagine what all happened like that we're not seeing. But this is exactly the way it happens. God gives blessing despite the person. Matthew 5.45 says, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Both good and bad happen to both good and bad people. And then Romans 9 says, So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So mercy and grace and blessing come from God, and that's the best news in two ways. First, it means that we do nothing to earn it. Because looking at my track record for even this morning, I won't ever make it. And two, it means that we do nothing to lose it. Because looking at my track record for even this morning, if by some crazy happenstance I was able to gain it by my actions, I surely lost it a few seconds later. So how does this happen for them? How does this blessing happen for them? God is with them. Notice the, the first four words of the passage. The Lord visited Sarah. He's there. He's present. God's with them. That's the only way that this blessing comes. The baby would not have even been there without God blessing them. And even if the baby came um, and God's not with them and they have the baby, what's it good for? Absolutely nothing. Nope. It's a song. Anyway, okay. Make a mental note. Don't do that joke again. Um, If you have a question about it, just ask me later. Uh, But, so God, God is with them. And so begins the most amazing lineage in history. Ones that, one that is chock full of losers and castaways and lamos. One that blesses all of human history in different ways. One that brings different folks in by covenant and marriage and circumcision to bring sinners into the family of God by faith. One that eventually holds Jesus Christ. This miraculous birth actually should lead us to another miraculous birth, the offspring that would truly bless the the nations, every tongue, tribe, and nation, the son that would save. Even he came from heaven. There is no blessing that comes to us that does not come from above, and from above comes our greatest blessing, Jesus Christ. The one who would take on the sins of the world, and all we can do is stand in awe and just behold our Savior. So what about you? Where do you tend to attribute good things to your own good behavior? How can you use what God has given you for the blessing of those you know or are around you? In what ways can you remember today that God is with you in Jesus? So we see God is with us He was with them in the blessing, but he's not only with us in the blessing, he's also with us in the opposite of blessing, the wilderness. Uh, If you look at verse 8, 
And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. So this is when Isaac is about three years old. This is when they had this process. Um, Verse 9. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham. So if you remember from a few chapters back, he's about 13 now, and he's laughing. And what that word means, like if you just pull it apart, he's laughing at Isaac in mockery. So it's not like a fun, hey, we're having a fun time together, but he's mocking him. And so Sarah sees what God had promised about this boy, um, all of, that all of those around him would be against him. And then verse 10, so she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So though Sarah was just sinfully sinful um, in in her words about and to this woman, um, she's not wrong. God's covenantal blessing is going to come through Abraham's lineage with Sarah and Isaac, not through Hagar and Ishmael. And if we think about it, like in this whole situation, why would Abraham want to keep Hagar and Ishmael around? Like, isn't this just a constant reminder of your sin? I think that's true, and I think he feels bad for them. I think he knows, like, they wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for my sin. But he's led, them, he's led himself to believe that as long as they're around, maybe he can make up for his sin. That's why he's displeased about this casting of them out. But God says to him, like, don't be upset about this. I'm still going to bless Ishmael. He's still your son. I chose Isaac for this specific task, but that does not mean I don't have concern for Ishmael. Do what Sarah's asking. I will take care of the boy. So in verse 14, So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder. So she's going into the desert, into the wilderness, and Abraham gives her only what she can carry. This is a death march, and Abraham knows it. Uh, Putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So we don't know for how long, but we know that it was enough uh, time for the shoulder pack of water uh, to be gone because in verse 15... When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. So remember, he's about 13 years old here. He can probably carry himself. So why does he need to be laid down under a bush? He's dying. Number 16. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, not the voice of Hagar who was crying out, but the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. So Hagar's out here in the scorching sun, hot wilderness where she's, uh, her son is about to die. And so she's just crying out. And a voice from heaven comes to her and says, don't be afraid. 
I have heard the boy crying out to me. And then God opens her eyes and, and she sees a well of water. So either way, this well was already there. Um, and Hagar was just too busy either complaining about it or maybe she had there's just tears in her eyes. Um, or perhaps God just miraculously makes a well. Um, either, either way, this is an amazing part of the story because God shows up on behalf of the patriarch that would one day become the lineage of the religion of Islam. And he gives him life. This boy Ishmael is considered by the Muslim religion to be the one whom God had given the blessing, not Isaac. And so they have a completely different religion because of it. Um, and they aren't totally wrong. Like God did bless Ishmael, and that's what we just saw, but not in the way that they believe. And God is the one who keeps him alive. God is the one who blesses him with a water, uh, with a well of water to keep him alive. Why? Because again, God will shine and rain on the good and the bad. God can do whatever he wants. He is God. We are not. And there are going to be times where we come to stuff like this in the Bible and we just do not understand it or we think that it's not fair. We think that it's not right. Because our question really becomes at this point, did God keep him alive alive to bring about the birth of Islam? Why didn't God end it here? It's not right, right? It's a really tough question. But thinking of God's promise to bless the nations through his lineage, instead think of the opportunity. We cannot bless a man in his lineage with the forgiveness and love of Christ if he simply died in the beginning. Would it have made things easier? Sure, absolutely. We understand justice and, and wrath in that regard, but God has never promised his people easy lives. If we were to be disciples of Jesus, and we are, the world hated and crucified him. There are thousands of people across the globe risking their lives to live among Muslims to be able to tell them about Jesus. If God so desires to keep a sinful man alive, to show his glory when he saves that person by the men and women in his life explaining Jesus to them, then yes and amen. But the truth of the matter is there are no perfect words to make us feel good. There are no perfect words to make us feel good about everything in the Bible. But we can trust the God of the Bible. When God says that he works all things together for good for those who love him, and when God says that he is perfectly just and good and righteous, we can trust that. We're not going to know everything. And when those times come, because they will... When we do not like something in the Bible, we must remember that one of the two pieces of the equation is sinful. And as far as the injustice we see, the crucifixion was the greatest injustice in the history of the world. And yet it was allowed by God for the payment of our sins. For the sake of you and I. And then in verse 20, we see why all of this is true. How did God save him? How did God bless him? And God was with the boy. And he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. When it comes to moments like this in in our lives, when we're in the wilderness or a friend or a loved one um, is, is out there, we feel like we're about to die. We feel like they are about to die. We have to remember verse 20. 
So we don't know whether or not Ishmael is, is in heaven. We don't know whether or not he was saved. A lot of scholars like to say no, um, but we do know that God was with him at this point in his life to preserve his life. This was not fair as far as fair goes because God could kill any man on the spot because of his sin, and that would be fair. And we do not even know why God was, but we do know that God was with him. Yet again, the blessing comes from the presence of God. Not good deeds done or the wilderness we got ourselves into. It will never depend on those things, but on God with us. This means that God is with you and I in the middle of wherever life takes us as well. There is a common grace to humanity, whether or not we are believers, that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. So he's with unbelievers as well. If we're believers in this room, we were not at one point. Can we really be so bold to think that God did not protect us as unbelievers so that he could show himself glorious and mighty over the sin that we had? What's the difference? Romans 10 Verse 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God is with all of us, all of creation, but God is only dwelling in those who believe. There is a common grace that comes to everyone, but there is a saving grace that only comes to those who believe. The refuge and strength and ever-present help can be within our hearts to keep us from danger at a heart level if we believe. So have you believed? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? God is with us us in the blessing and God is with us in the wilderness. But notice just how closely this relates to our lives. Either God has just blessed us And we feel that, and we're feasting because of it. We're having a party, and it's amazing. Or we're in the wilderness where we feel feel that, and we feel like we're about to die. This is what the Christian life looks like. It's a roller coaster ride of those two moments. It looks like a a twisted pretzel of those two truths. But look at God's grace to each story. In both stories, God is with them. For each of these seasons in their lives, in unbelief, in really bad belief, or in really good belief, whatever the case, God was with them. How? How is it that God was with them? With Abraham and Sarah, he was with them by giving them a child. God is with Ishmael and Hagar and giving them a well of water. Do you see Jesus? God is with you and I in that he gave Jesus who came to earth to dwell among men and f- as flesh and bones, and God blesses all the rest of the world from all tongues, tribes, and nations from the birth of a baby. God is with you and I as a spring of living water, one that, will never cease, that one that we will never cease to have, and we will never be thirsty again once we have taken a drink. And Jesus was the son who was willingly cast away so that we could remain. God's blessing is God himself. This is the truth of the gospel as well. God did not look at humanity and see this overwhelming amount of sin and send us a program to follow or a list of rules for us to achieve greatness that we may make it to heaven. He didn't send us a rope ladder down to the water from the safety of the boat. It would do us no good if we have material or any earthly blessing or a ladder. We're drowning in the water. 
We can't reach the ladder in these waves. So God jumps in to overcome the water for us. If God is not with us, we surely perish, but he is. How? Jesus Christ. The man coming over the side of the boat to save us is Jesus. God sent his son to flip this kingdom of sin back on its right side and to live a perfect life that we could never live, die a death that we deserve to die, and was raised again on the third day in victory over that sin and over that death. And he offers us this life if we would believe. If we see ourselves for what we are, nothing more than in heavy chains sinking to the bottom, then we have nothing nothing left to lose. But if we choose to say, I can make it on my good deeds, I can make my own way over to the ladder, then we're left in the water. For those of us who call out in desperation um, and need that we own, God has sent us Jesus that we may have life. In Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The Lord of hosts is with us. The truth of this blessing reigns true today for you and I if we are believers. We are blessed ultimately by the presence of God, by God with us. And if we are believers, then he is. Some of Jesus' last words on earth were about the spirit of God who would indwell those who believe. And he says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God has blessed us is blessing us and will continue to bless us in Jesus. God was with us, is with us, and will continue to be with us in Jesus. And one day, we will be in the very presence of this Jesus with us, of this blessing, and it will never cease in Jesus. The Lord of hosts is with us, and in Jesus, he most certainly is. So, just as Abraham did in light of remembering this news Uh, He goes a little bit later in the chapter, and and he just goes and worships. Uh, So we're going to do the same thing by taking communion together as a family, knowing that life is going to be complicated. Life is going to be hard. There are going to be things that we do not understand, even about God, yet we still have faith. We know that we are going to be with him. Maybe we'll get to ask him at that point what, what was going on. But in the meantime, we have faith. So uh, if you're a believer in Jesus, then you're welcome to the, to the table as part of the family. But if you are here this morning and you are not a believer, or if you are in unrepentant sin, uh, I ask that you remain in your seat on the basis of 1 Corinthians. It says, uh, both of these cases are defiling the emblems. But if this is you, trust in Jesus as your Savior today. Turn from your sins to life in Jesus today, whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time. Don't leave without securing this refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble as the God who dwells in you. For all of us, uh, here is our prayer. Father, thank you for your immense grace to us in Jesus. Would you, by this grace, bring us to the waters of this well over and over again, that we may drink and never thirst again. And would you always remind us that you are with us, no matter what. Life is hard, and it will always be hard. None of us in the room have to think hard about how true that is. 
but God is with us. How do we know for sure? Because Jesus did come as a child in an answer to God's promise. Because Jesus is the well from which we find our lives. And Jesus was cast away from the family that we might stay. And all of this is true because on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us. For, first of all, you do not... uh, you do not make it a, a thing that we have to know everything about the world and, and everything about how everything works. But yet you simply just remind us, fear not, I am with you. Would you remind us of that today? Would you remind us of that every single day? In, our, in times of blessing and in times of wilderness, in every single moment of our life, that is the truth that we need, and we thank you for it. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who now, because of anything that we go through life with, we are not alone. Life is going to buckle us to the floor at times, but we have a Savior ready for us. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.